will, turn within your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's been a few weeks since we've been in 2 Timothy. I've been blessed to have um, Brother David Crawford with us last week. Um, two weeks before that, Brother McNeil was with the church, preached a wonderful message, and I hope we're all thankful for those men who God has sent to preach to us. And uh, So it's been three or four weeks since we've been in 2 Timothy, but I want to go back there. In way of remembrance, the last message that I preached from there was on the last words of the Apostle Paul. And as we get into chapter 4, these are the last words we have recorded for us uh, from, from his pen or from him in this life. And he had said that I'm ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Then he begins to instruct Timothy on some things that are very personal to the Apostle Paul. This morning, if the Lord would be my helper, I want to look at verse 9. Short verse, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He instructs Timothy that I want you to do your diligence. I want you to make the effort. I want you to give the proper care, the proper application, you know, the, the effort that it takes to come shortly unto me. He says, quickly, I need you to come soon. And I believe as we look at this passage, we'll see that this is a passage about, we can draw a lot from this passage on Christian discipleship or Christian service and the requirement of diligence in our service. Let's notice again, he says to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. As you pray for me, we'll look at three, three takeaways from this passage this morning as we look at diligence and Christian service. You know, the first thing that I, as I meditated upon these verses or this verse this week, was I saw Paul's desire to be with, with Timothy. You know, the, the desire to be with each other or fellowship is, fellowship is such a blessing in the, in the church of God and, to, and to God's people that he's given us each other that we can be around, we can draw strength from one another. Um, I hope we never uh, take for granted what a blessing it is to be together because here, Paul is alone. Paul is, uh, he, he would say later that well, Luke is with me, but I want you to bring Mark. He's, 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 he's not experiencing the fellowship that he once had um, with the saints. He'd been deserted by many. He started in the, in the 15th verse of chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but he says to Timothy, you know that all that are in Asia be turned away from me. They've forsaken me. And just after he tells Timothy to do your diligence to come shortly unto me, to come quickly unto me, he says, because, or for, because... Demas hath forsaken me. He says, I've been deserted by those in Asia. I've been deserted by my, my fellow yokeman, Demas. He's, he's, he's forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he's departed into Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And only Luke is with me. I'm alone. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he's profitable for me, for the ministry. It's uh, so interesting to think that as, as, 
as Paul is being ready to be offered, his life is coming to a close, he's still thinking about the ministry, he's still thinking about the kingdom, still thinking about service to God. He says, take Mark and bring him with you, because he's profitable to me for the ministry. And he says, Tychius, I've sent to Ephesus. So he's sending him out for, for, to continue the work of the kingdom, and so he is left alone, and he desires to be with Timothy, with Mark. He desires to have fellowship with his brothers in the church and and we're going to see here that to have fellowship with each other it takes diligence effort you it doesn't happen on accident right now you might bump into one another in the store maybe that might be accidental but really and truly if we're going to have good strong christian fellowship if we're going to be together the togetherness of the saints which is so important it's going to take diligence he says do thy diligence give give effort put in effort Devote your life to this and, and come to me. He desires to be with them. You know, the, the idea of, of, of an independent Christian person is really an oxymoron because we need each other. We need God. We all need God, right, to help us, but we need each other. We need to be together. We're dependent on each other. One of the, one of the words that, that you see often in the book of Acts with the early church is together. They were together, together, together. You go look it up. It's used many times in the book of Acts, together. Um, in, in the first chapter of Acts, you know, the, 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 there's only 120 disciples. But it says two or three times that they were gathered together. They were together. And then in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches that wonderful sermon. The Holy Spirit comes down. There's 3,000 people who are added to the church. But in, in, second, in the second chapter of Acts, in verse 44, it says that those that believed, those 3,000 that were added to the 120, it says they were still all together. Y'all starting to get the, the, the impression that it's, it's important that we be together. And we have to use, because there's a lot of things that are, you know, one of the things that, that Paul would not, he didn't want to suffer was a, was a heretic. Uh, he, he gives, he gives um, instructions about what to do about those who are heretics. And and what a heretic really is is someone who divides the church. <laughs> See, the church is not to be, it's not to have schisms in it where there's, there's, there's people here and people there. They're supposed to be together. And so we see here that Paul wanted to be together with Timothy. And that takes effort. It takes effort to be together. You have to go. I, I wrote this verse down. It's Psalm 122 and verse 1. David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us. Now notice that. I was glad when they said unto me, individually, let us, collectively, go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> Do y'all get glad about going into the house of the Lord? Um, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let, let, me, let us, or let, let us together go into the house of the Lord. Notice he says, he says, I want you to, to go into the house of the Lord. It took... It took effort on his part. But he said it brought me joy that they would say to us, let us go. Let us get up and go unto the house of the Lord. It was, it, was, it was his desire, it was his joy to go with the people of God into the house of the Lord. Not to stay away from the house of the Lord, but to be together. Another verse I wrote down was from Luke 4 and verse 16. You don't have to turn to all these, but it says, Speaking of Jesus, when he came to Nazareth, or Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, that means his habit or his manner or the way that he had lived his life, as his custom was, he went. 
He took the effort to go. As David said, let us go. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So we see that the habit or the, the manner or the custom of Jesus was to get up and go into the synagogue to be with the people of God. <laughs> Do y'all see that? It was his habit. We need to make... You need to make a habit of getting up and coming. Y'all are here, right? Y'all did that. But I'm saying, we, that should be our habit. It should, it should be, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's never the, here goes the preacher again, talking about coming to church, right? I mean, uh, can't you get another something to talk about, preacher? Um, but it's important to be together in the house. Like, you know, you hear preachers talk about it's important to be at church. Well, that's because it really is important to be at church, <laughs> It's important that, that it becomes your habit, that it's not a question of, of what are we going to do this morning, uh, that it's your habit, it's your manner to be there. It's so important to be together. You say, why is it important to be together? I, I want to look at, look at verse 13 for just a moment. He, he, says, he says to Timothy, Paul says, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when, when you come, bring it with you. In the books, but especially the parchments. But he says, the, my, my cloak or my coat, I want you to bring that with you. Now, now Paul is, is, is abandoned in a, in a, in a dungeon-type prison, and he says, the cloak that I had left trust, I want you to bring that so that I can be warm. <laughs> I mean, this is just practically, if we're looking at this, he says, I need you to bring me my cloak so that I'm not cold, <laughs> so that I can be warmed up. <laughs> um, and that's a great metaphor for what it's like to, to be with the people of God. It warms you up. It makes you more zealous. It, it, it invigorates you. It, Paul, Paul told the Romans, pray that I could be with you so that I could be refreshed, so that I could be energized. Because so, we can grow cold when we're apart from each other, right? In our service to God, in our, in our love for God, in our love for each other. Uh, you know, they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's probably not true in the church. <laughs> In, in the church, among the people of God, we need to be together so that we can be warm, so that we can be invigorated. Uh, 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 something I've used to, to explain this before, you may have heard it, but it's that time of year again. I don't know if it's the Hallmark Channel or Lifetime or one of them. Uh, they put on, um, I, I don't know when it starts, but sometimes around, sometime around Christmas. I know every Christmas Eve, uh, it seems like uh, I, I see this on, it's a, it's a picture uh, or it's a live, I don't know if it's live, but it's a video of a fireplace. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And they have the, 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 the presents out, and there'll be dogs and cats that come in, and music that plays. You can hear the fire crackling. And, and I like to put that on. I, I, I enjoy watching that. But it's such a good picture to me of, you know, some, some people, I'm, I'm thankful for um, our live stream. We have a live stream here, and, and um, you know, we, we started that, I guess, in 2020, when it was very necessary, we we'd done some of that, but we started uh, live streaming every service, and I'm thankful for that because there's people who can't be here that want to be here, and they can see it. And uh, we have our podcast, our sermons online. I'm thankful for that. We have, um, you know, it's amazing. You think sometimes I get discouraged, and I'll go look at at who is listening to our sermons, and you know, you can you can see with. Um, with the internet, with the tracking and all, I mean, there's people from, you know, 10, 15, 20 countries that have listened this year to our sermons right here at Best Day. Isn't that amazing? Um, so I'm thankful for all that, but that doesn't replace coming in this house and being together. Uh, so, so what do I mean by that? 
when you see when you see that fire on the screen, you can hear it, you can see it, but but try to warm yourself up with it. Doesn't work, does it? And so you watch the live stream, you can see me and hear me and see us and hear us, but it's not the same. It doesn't bring that warmth. He says, I want you to come to me, bring my cloak so that I can be warmed. We need to make a diligent effort to be together um, so that we can be strengthened by being together, being together. And it takes diligence. And so he says, do that diligence to come shortly unto me. Make the effort. See, the, the Christian life, the Christian discipleship, the Christian ministry is going to take a lot of diligence, a lot of effort. doesn't happen by accident. Takes effort and urgency. Diligence shortly unto me. Do that diligence come shortly unto me. Diligence, effort, and urgency on the part of us. You know, God demands that we, you could say this, God demands that we are diligent in the service to him. And that's a reasonable request from God, isn't it? Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 4 says, Thou hast commanded us, that's a commandment from God, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts. That would be your, your commandments, your directions, your orders. He says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. <laughs> diligently. That you do that on purpose. You do it with effort. You, it's a constant application of your mind and your desires to, to do what God says to do. Um, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, Moses has, has gathered the people. It's the re-giving of the, the law. He's, he is, he's, he's commanding them. He's giving the commandments of God. He's preparing them to go into the promised land. And, and he says, um, verse 1 of chapter 6, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it. That you'd fear the Lord your God. And he goes through these, these commandments that God has given them. He says in verse 16, You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa, but you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> and... and and, and here's one of the reasons we do that. He says that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. He says, I want you to, there's gonna, you're going to have to have steady application to do. You're going to have to be resolved in your mind to do the things that God has called on you to do. And if you do that, things will go well with you. I was trying to explain to Carrie the other day. Sometimes I try to preach and it's like, I'm not, I just don't feel like I'm getting through to people. And, and, and sometimes maybe I just need to, to break it down on such a level that, that I can understand it and anybody can understand it. Well, here it is. If you, if you do what God says to do, things will be better. That's what, that's what Moses is telling them. If you just do what God says to do, you live the way God says to live, things will be better. And he says, but, but, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to take diligent application of, of doing these things and commitment to doing these things. Um, you know, in the, in the sixth verse, he says, And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them 
He doesn't just say you should teach them to your children. He says you shall teach them diligently unto thy children. Listen, if you're going to disciple your children, which is a hard thing to do. Y'all know, you know, I've admitted to you here uh, um, at Vestavia many times that I had grand plans for the way I was going to disciple my children before I had children. <laughs> and then I had them and it was different. <laughs> but, but the one thing that you can do is, is be diligent in it. Don't give up on it. And maybe, maybe there's been times when you stop doing it. You stop teaching them. You stop directing them or trying to disciple them. But, but get back on it and be diligent about it. He says, diligently teach your children. We need to be diligent in the service of God. Because one of the reasons that God says that you shall diligently keep my precepts or you shall do what I have called on you to do is, is because... <laughs> Diligence in following God is, is required if we're going to stay close to him, right? If we're, if we're not diligent about that, you know, any relationship that you have, right? If you, want to, if you want to have a good relationship, whether that be with your spouse or your parents or your church members or your children, doesn't it take some diligence to grow and cultivate that relationship? It doesn't happen on accident. Well... The same thing is true when it, comes to the, when it comes to following God or being close with God. It takes a lot of diligence. Your heart, you know, your heart. You know what it is to have a heart for somebody or love for somebody? Well, if you're going to have a heart for God, you've got to do what he says to do. If your heart's not right, your walk won't be right, you won't feel the presence of God in your lives. Again, you don't have to turn there, but I want to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 9 through 10. It says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Now, why was the Lord angry with Solomon? It says, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. So we, we, we just kind of jump into this passage and we see that the, that the Lord God is actually angry with his servant Solomon. And the reason is because his heart was turned away from the Lord. He was no longer had a heart for God. He no longer had a desire for God or a love for God. His heart was turned away from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared to him twice and had commanded him. Here's commandments from God. He had commanded Solomon concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he, that is Solomon, kept not that which the Lord commanded. So you could say, why, why, why did his heart, why was Solomon's heart turned away from the Lord? Because he wasn't diligent in keeping what the Lord had commanded him to do. He, he says, because he had kept not that which the Lord commanded. He had drifted away from what the Lord had commanded him to do, the things that the Lord had commanded him to obey and to, and to live in. And now the Lord is angry with him because his heart was turned away from the Lord. We were not diligent about doing God's work or being committed to God's cause, our heart begins to turn from the Lord to other things. It's amazing that this same man would write these words. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, he says, Keep, that is to guard or protect your heart. Now his heart, now think about this, Solomon's heart was turned away from the Lord. And he would write a proverb. This is the most wise man outside of Jesus Christ has ever been, but yet still he, his heart was turned away from God. 
And he would write to us even today to keep your heart with all diligence. He says, for out of it are the issues of life. He says that he says the, the way you prepare your heart, the condition of your heart, is it's going to determine what your life is like. So he says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your life is going to be shaped or determined by the condition of your heart. I hope you're starting to see that diligence, it's not easy, but diligence is important to the the way we live our lives, and it's, and it's going to determine the peace that we have in our lives, the assurance we have in our lives, the joy that we have in our lives. A lot of those are determined by the amount of effort we put in to following God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter is, is writing his second epistle he says in verse 3, according to his, as his divine power, that's God's divine power, hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, he says, giving all diligence. Once again, he's speaking of making the effort, devoting yourself to one thing. That, that, that word diligence there, if you, if you were to look this word up in a Strong's Concordance or some kind of lexicon, one of the definitions is to interest oneself most earnestly. So as Peter, in his last epistle, is, is writing to the scattered saints, he also says to them that it's going to take diligence. You need to focus your mind and yourself and give... Give, give your interest most earnestly to this, giving diligence to add to your faith. You know, faith is a gift of God, right? It's given to us in the new birth. But, but when God gives us his spirit and he gives us his grace and he regenerates us, we still have a work to play. We still have to be diligent in building upon that faith. And he says, add to your faith virtue. You know, that's uh, one, one definition of that is moral excellence, but I was reading uh, Matthew Henry recently, and he said that it had a, a sense of courage. <laughs> and if you're going to go out and live the Christian life, you're going to have to have courage, right? So he says, add to your faith virtue, <laughs> and to virtue, knowledge, wisdom, or insight, and to, and to knowledge, temperance. You're going to have to add some self-control. And rem remember, we're giving all diligence to do this, because it's going to take a concerted effort, a focused effort, if you're going to do this, you're going to add insight and wisdom and temperance and patience. That's cheerful endurance. Being, being able to be steadfast in the faith. He says you need to add that to your faith. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Love for the brethren. And to brotherly kindness, charity. He says in verse, verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound... See, if, if faith is in you and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity or, or love in action, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. 
I'm not going to go into that verse today, but can you imagine being in that position where you have neglected, you, you haven't been diligent at all in your Christian service or in your following the precepts, the commandments of God, and you've come to the point where you, you lack faith, you lack temperance, you lack, uh, you, you, know, you lack virtue, you lack patience, you lack all those things, and you've gotten to the point where you're so blinded that you have forgotten that you were even purged from your old sins. That's a scary place to be, isn't it? He says, verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren. And that's a very important word, brethren, there, because, listen, he's talking to children of God, like me and you, right? He says, Wherefore the rather, the rather brethren give diligence. Again, he says, make the effort, the steady application of your heart and mind to make your calling and election sure. He says, I, give the diligence so that you can know you're one of his. So that you're, see, see the, the, and I'm just going to make this one point and we'll move on. It is not, he's not talking about making your calling and election sure to God. <laughs> the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. We don't have to worry about making our calling and election sure with God. But we have doubts in this life, don't we? We lack assurance at times in this life. And he says, give the, give the earnest seed. You, you give diligence to make your calling and your election sure that you can have assurance about your election. You can have assurance about your calling. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For or because an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe the main point of this passage and the main point I'm trying to get across to you today is that you have to be diligent in your Christian service and adding to your faith and growing as a disciple of, of Christ. You have to give diligence to do that. But, but another point on that is, 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 is when we do that, we go closer to God, which, 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 it, which it builds up our assurance and it builds up our enjoyment of the kingdom. Um, you know, our, our ultimate assurance, I don't, I don't want you to leave here today thinking, that, that we, we should look to our efforts to get our assurance. You see, a lot, of people, uh, a lot of people are caught in that trap where they look back on their performance and on their efforts of discipleship or how, how well am I reading my Bible or how close do I feel to the Lord, and they look that, to that to assurance to know that I'm one of His. No, we don't look to our performance for assurance. We look to Christ's performance for assurance, right? That's where we get our assurance. If you're looking for assurance in anything you're doing, then, then you, are, you, are, you are falling for a trap that is, that is going to lead to, 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 to doubts and fear and discouragement. No. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if you're, if you're you know, the super Christian person. You're all sinners, right? We all fall short. I don't know if there is a super Christian person, but I'm just saying, uh, if, if, you've, if you've given all you have to the cause of Christ and, and, you, and you look to that for your assurance of salvation, then you're going to fall short. But on the flip side of that, God, God's not in the habit of granting assurance to people that don't try to draw near to him. Matter of fact, one of the ways that God rebukes or chastises his people is that he removes assurance from them when they're not following him. You know, the ones that the Lord loves, he rebukes them, right? He chastens them. He scourges them. And one of the ways, one of the ways that God uh, 
punishes us, he puts us in time out. He says, I'm going to put you over here and I'm going to withdraw my presence from a little while from you in an effort to try to get you. Now, do y'all want to be in that position? No. God, God's in the, the, the habit. He's, his, his method is he, he tends to, to grant assurance and peace to those who diligently seek him. Paul said in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I hope you're getting the point here that diligence is important. He says, if you diligently seek me, I will reward you. And what is part of that reward? reward? I believe it's verse 11, that an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we seek Christ by faith, when we're adding to our faith, when we're being diligent in our Christian walk, uh, part, part of the benefits of diligently pursuing Christ is that we get to enjoy the kingdom of God now. <laughs> Isn't that a, there are many of God's children who are not enjoying the kingdom of God now who will enjoy it in heaven, but I want to enjoy it now and then. What about y'all? I, I want to enjoy the kingdom now. I want to lay hold on eternal life now. I want, to, I want to be close to my Lord now. And the way that you do that is through diligently seeking Him. And so the, the second point as we look at, at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9 is that diligence is required if we're going to enjoy the kingdom, if we're going to enjoy our walk with God, we're going to have to diligently keep his precepts. We're going to have to diligently seek him. And the promise is if we do that, he will reward us. But I want to get real for just a moment because I guarantee there's some people here, maybe me and others, who aren't being very diligent. <laughs> See, diligence is not I'll get to it when I have time. Diligence is I'll make time to get to it. Um, diligence isn't doing it when it's convenient it's making the effort to do it now um, and you notice that there's a sense of urgency there come shortly unto me that we need to be we need to have a sense of, of urgency or importance of, of, for the cause of Christ we need to be zealous and, and a lot of us um, a lot of us use these words have you ever used this Tomorrow. I love tomorrow. <laughs> I, can, I can be that super Christian person tomorrow, every day. Tomorrow, or next week, or next month. Or, um, you know, we're about to start December. So then you start December, you say next year. <laughs> right? Maybe next year I'll... I'll, I'll I'll be more diligent in my pursuit of Christ. Um, Benjamin Franklin was quoted by saying, don't put off tomorrow what can be done today. <laughs> very, very, very seldom do we ever say, I'm going to start today. It's always tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, and so the last point I want to make to you today is that the opportunity to be diligent, the opportunity to serve Christ zealously, with a, with, a, with a passion and a sense of urgency, it doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. 
You know, it's, 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 it's hard for us to think about this. We don't like to think about this, but there comes a point in time when the things we need to do, if we don't do them, we've missed the opportunity to do them ever. Um, Paul, Paul told Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He, he, was, he was saying, Timothy, I need you now. Get up and go. <laughs> Y'all see that? I need you shortly. I need you now. I need you with urgency. Get up and go. But there's, there's coming a time for all of us when our opportunity to go will be gone. Um, Mark Twain said this, never put off till tomorrow what may be done day after tomorrow. <laughs> Listen to Proverbs 27.1. It says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What the writer there in Proverbs is saying is, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I want to go to verse 21 with you as Paul's about to close out this letter. And he repeats to Timothy one more time. You can feel the urgency, somewhat the despair in his, in his voice. He says, Timothy, do thy diligence to come before winter. He says, do thy diligence to come before winter. And it's, it's as if he's telling Timothy, if you don't come now, you have missed your chance to come. If you don't come now, the water is going to be too boisterous to navigate. It's going to be too risky for you to come. The travel will be too hard. It'll be too cold. It'll, be, it'll take too long. It'll be impossible to come to me. So he says, do your diligence to come to me before winter. <laughs> and you know what he's also saying? If you wait until winter, you won't be able to come. And if you try to come after winter, it'll be too late. Because I'll be gone. Do y'all see that? And so I think what we can gather from that is invest in the kingdom today. Because we don't know when our winter's coming, do we? You know, um, I, would, I would encourage you to invest in your family, your natural family and your church family today. Your Bible study today. Your prayer time today. Your service to others today. Because tomorrow might be too late. To give your diligence. You may not have the ability tomorrow to give your diligence to the service of God. You could wake up and find that winter is gone. I want, I want to close with um, this story. So many of you remember Sister Eris Jones. Some of you don't. I, I never got the chance to really know her. She was homebound before I came to this church. and um, uh, She died in, in March of 2022, I believe. And I went to Hansville to see her in the nursing home. And she was, she was blind. I mean, she was legally blind. She was bedridden. And um, she didn't know me. It took us a while to get to talking. But um, she started telling me ch stories about the church and about attending church. And um, the one that stuck out to me was she talked about attending church the week that John F. There was a, a preacher had come to Birmingham uh, to travel through and fill several appointments at different churches 
the week that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I believe last week, that was 60 years ago last week. So this would have been you know, 58, 59 years ago. She's lying there bedridden and blind in her, in her hospital bed. And she's telling me about when, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, she said, I was, we, were, we went to church that night here in Birmingham. And um, she said, I'm lying here today and I can't get up and go anymore. Um, you know, it, it, and, and you hear this a lot. And, and, and I'll say this to well, anybody here, young people, old people, whatever, if you've got the ability, I hear this a lot from people, not just homebound members here, but from others. You tell them about church, they say, oh, I wish I could be there. Right? I wish I could be there, but they just can't. What they're saying is winter's come. I don't have the ability to give the diligence to go anymore, but I wish I could be there. And she laid in that bed, and she said, I, I, I can't go like I used to, and, I, and I, I can't go like I want to. But she said, I'm drawing interest off the investment I made when I was able. So you say, why do you, um, why do you invest now? Why do you give your diligence now? Because one day winter's coming, and you may not be able to come, but you can still draw interest off the kingdom investment you make today 20 years from now. Isn't that amazing? And so I would encourage you today to, to give your diligence to investing in the kingdom. And, and, and whatever it is you need to do before winter comes, you know, if you're sitting here thinking today, there's an apology I need to make or a phone call I need to make or a person I need to see, my encouragement to you would be do that today. <laughs> do, give diligence to make that happen because when winter comes, you don't have the opportunity to do it anymore. So I don't know what it is in your life that you, you need to do, but let's, um, let's give the effort to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. May you grant us the, the spirit, uh, the, the ability to be diligent in our efforts for you. May we never forget how important it is to be together. May we not forget that it's so important that you've commanded us to keep your ways. But you've also, you're so sweet to us. You've, not only have you commanded it, you've said you will bless it if we do it, that you will give us assurance and you will minister unto us an opportunity to enjoy the kingdom. Thank you, God. And help us to, to, even though it's sobering, to keep in mind that one day winter's coming and there are things that we can do now that we will not be able to do in the future. And, and help us to keep that in mind and may that motivate us to do the things that we really need to do, the important things before winter comes. May you bless us all in our time of fellowship uh, at the lunch hour uh, today. May you open doors of opportunity for us to speak the truth of Christ and his finished work to our loved ones. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll, um, we'll stand and sing a hymn at this time. If there's any here that desire a home in this church to follow uh, Jesus through discipleship, uh, public ministry, you can come forward and let that desire uh, be known. <laughs>